is a walk that we have that is a walk of faith, which means that we follow based on what you can't see or what you haven't experienced. But there's also a place where there is a tangible, physical, emotional uh, experience and encounter with God. And it's not wrong to want that. I don't know the way that uh, the way that I was brought up is that you weren't supposed to ask God for that kind of thing. You weren't supposed to uh, engage that. You just had to trust that He was there. I don't know if anybody else was raised that way, but I want to declare to you this morning, and I want to break off any lie or any religious thought that says that you can't ask God to express himself to you in a way or give him permission to express himself to you in a way that is tangible. And so right now, if that is you, if you would, if you want to just join with me in breaking that off and just say, you know what? I want God to be God. And I'm not here to tell God how he can act. I'm not here to tell God what he can and can't do. And, you know, there's also the thought process of the very human thought process of, well, uh, that's not God because I've never, I've never encountered that, which means that we are limiting God to our own experience rather than elevating our experience to open up to a God who created the universe. And so right now in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone here and listening that for whatever reason you have thought that it was uh, not faith, that it wasn't proper, that it wasn't okay, that it was a sin to ask God to express himself, to give him permission to uh, have an encounter, a physical, tangible, emotional, experiential encounter with God. I'm asking you right now just to do something bold, whether it be do this, whether it be do this, whether it be do this, whatever that boldness level is for you right now, do that. And father, in the name of Jesus, we break off a religious lie that says that it is wrong or it is not uh, faith to invite God to encounter us in a tangible way. And Father, we break off the lie that says that he doesn't want to encounter us in a tangible way. That God is sitting on a throne and that he's far off and that he is unapproachable, that he is uncaring or that he is cold, that he just watches things go on. We break that off right now in Jesus' name and we embrace the truth that says that when we invite Christ into our life, that you tell us in your word that we are seated together with him in the heavenly places. And so, Father, we take hold of that. So if you would, just with your hands, make like you're taking hold of something. Like I'm grabbing a hold of that. That is my truth. That is the truth that the word of God says to me. So that is the truth that I take hold of. And that is the truth that I live by. That my Father God invites me into his presence. He invites me into intimacy. He invites me into experience with him. That he wants to converse with me. That he wants to speak with me. That he wants to embrace me. He wants to love me. That my God is so big. So right now there's some of you that you need to 
take hold of that, that your God wants to love you. You are not unlovable. You are not beyond being loved. You are not, um, for some reason, exempt from his love. So just take hold of that right now. Get a hold of that with your hands. And for some of you, I see that uh, you need to push that into your heart. (laughs) So push that truth right now into your heart that I am lovable. God wants to love me. He takes joy in me. I am his delight that when he looks at me, that he smiles, that he gets a tickle out of me, that God thinks that I'm a who. Somebody needs to hear that. God thinks I'm a who. (laughs) Okay. And then, um, yeah, press it into your mind. Those thoughts that run, we take, we take those thoughts captive. Those trains of thought that say that I, I've done too much or, uh, you know what, God, I've been sitting for so long and waiting for so long and something hasn't happened. I think that I must be pushed to the back and God doesn't even see me. And so, you know, that's a lie. And once we find out the lie, then we can invite the truth. So right now, if that is you, then put your hands on your head. And right now we're going to press in the truth. (laughs) Yeah. And so we just press in the truth that says, you know what? I have the mind of Christ. And I think way bigger than the box that my experience has been, whatever my past has been, whatever my past hasn't been, I invite God in a brand new way. He says, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not know it? And so I take hold of the thoughts of the new thing that God is thinking, the wisdom that he has, the insight that he has. And I just press that into the mind of Christ that's on the inside of me right now. And anything that doesn't line up with that, I boot it out. It's booted out. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We're just booting stuff out, right? Yeah. So I want you to look at somebody around you. Wait, don't do it yet because this is very specific. I want you to look someone in the eye. And I want you to tell them, you are more loved than you could possibly imagine. In the eye. In the eye. (laughs) So good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And can we, I want to say this. I want to welcome back Kirsty Wegley, our worship leader. Are we so thankful? Yes. She was up here last week too, but I didn't get a chance to, I didn't get to tell her welcome back. And our whole worship team, I think uh, in her Uh, time of leave, our worship team stepped up and did amazing. Can we let them know how much we appreciate them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my name is Lynette. Uh, Whenever I introduce myself to people, I would say my name is Lynette. And uh, Darren pointed out one day that I say a really hard T on that because otherwise people go Linnell, Linne, Lynetta. So... Anyway, my name is Lynette. If I've never had the opportunity to shake your hand or to meet you, uh, it is my honor to be, um, I am one of the founding uh, pastors here at Cowboy Church. And it is an honor to be so because there was a day in my life where I thought being a pastor, that word, the P word was a dirty word. Don't even say that to me. But I love being uh, 
a pioneer in this church, and this church is much about embracing that pioneer spirit. So for anyone who might be thinking, well, what is Cowboy Church about? Cowboy Church is not about uh, a way of dressing or, you know, anything like that. Most importantly is Cowboy Church is about embracing a pioneering spirit, which means that we're people who are willing to press the boundaries. We're people who are willing to say, hey, I wonder what's on the other side of this experience here. I'm going to press into that because if I press into that, somebody else will follow me. And you're opening doors for people who haven't been places. And so when you press, I love uh, that we've opened this up up here. Uh, we noticed that when there were people that were coming up, that they almost felt like they were uh, encroaching on somebody's space that was in the front row and they were hesitant to come to the front. And you might wonder why go to the front or you might think, well, those people that go to the front are just seeking attention. I would really caution you on that because we don't know where someone else has walked. And sometimes just simply breaking that barrier right there and coming to the front to worship, whether it be getting on your knees or whether it be putting your hands in the air, breaking that barrier in here will actually break a barrier in their life out there. And so when people do that, man, we celebrate that, we invite that, and we love when people are pioneering, whatever you're pioneering in your life this morning, we celebrate that and we support you in it. And so we're here to equip uh, each one of us as we are pioneering in whatever area and avenue God has called us to pioneer in. So look at your neighbor and say, um, pull up your bootstraps because you're pioneering, right? <laughs> yes. And with that, we want to welcome our uh, family in um, California this morning, our Kingdom Ranch family in Merced. Can we give them a big shout out? Yes. Darren is there in Merced this morning, and uh, he's having a great time with them, I know, because they spoil him when he goes out there. And then he comes home to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, quick update on Darren, because lots of you have asked. I want to share this with you. Uh, he went in on Friday, and they took out the stitches from the second surgery here and here. And uh, so he is wired, but not yet fired. So he's all hooked up, and uh, they're going to be turning on the generator uh, the first I, th I believe it's the first week in November, but he's doing so good. He's just really doing amazing. Uh, it's interesting because he's already noticed he was experiencing a tremor in one of his feet. And since they have inserted the wires, the tremor in his foot has completely stopped without even anything being turned on. So God's doing really cool stuff. We're experiencing things that are beyond what the doctors had anticipated. So as, as we knew we would, right? <laughs> so thank you all for your prayers and keep praying because your prayers are moving mountains and availing much. Amen. All right. This morning, uh, I want to share with you, uh, every year, you know, every year you hear me say this around this time, I start praying and asking God, what's on your heart for the coming year? What's on your heart for the coming days? And uh, so this morning, I just want to share with you some of the things that God has been sharing with me. And I do want to say this when I say the words I heard God say, or God said, uh, for me, when I say that, what that means is sometimes I do hear 
like as if somebody were sitting next to me, speaking to me. That's not very common. Uh, if God's like super wanting to get my attention, <laughs> if he has to speak to me like that, I know that he's been trying to get my attention and I haven't been paying attention. And he's like, hello. So, <laughs> so when I say that I heard God or I sensed God, I felt him most of the time, what it is for me is it is an inward, uh, an inward knowing it's just, you know, and there are certain people who are knowers. Uh, at other times, it is, it, it is a, a voice that is on the inside of me that a lot of times sounds like my voice, but it says things that are way more lofty and intelligent than anything I would have come up with. So I know that that's God. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you because that is one of the most common things that people ask or uh, among the church that people desire the most is to hear the voice of God. So I wanted to share that with you just so that as I say things that you know that like I'm not sitting on my couch with the manifest form of God, you know, having conversation with him. So that's how I hear. You will hear differently. You may hear similarly, but I just wanted you to have that in your pocket. Amen. All right, so let's go. So we entered into a new year on the Hebrew calendar um, on the eve of September 25th. And we entered into the Hebrew year 5783, like it's our year 2022, and we'll be going into 2023. So on September 25th, we entered into the Hebrew year 5783, which on our calendar, our calendar that we go by, on uh, uh, the last day of December, entering into January 1st, we will go into 2023. So when I say that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So uh, the Hebrew calendar begins a new year in the fall. So we entered into the new year of 5783. And I have become very interested in studying, uh, it's called gematria, which is the Hebrew alphabet and numbers align. So the, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet has a correlating number. And I'm going to tell you, I'm very, very new in this uh, study. I am not a Hebrew scholar. I don't claim to be a Hebrew scholar. And so um, what I am studying, I'm learning and I'm always, the more I learn, the more I learn, I need to learn. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with that. But uh, if you remember back when we entered into 2020 in the fall would have been the Hebrew year 5780. And what God spoke to me then was that we were entering into the decade of declaration. And what that meant to me was a couple of things. Number one was God was speaking about the words. And uh, that um, number 80 is actually a Hebrew letter called pay. And it is the picture of an open mouth. And so I heard that. And then I was going and I was studying. I was like, okay, well, there's the confirmation. God is really showing me something. So I was really starting to pay attention. So... He was saying that we're going into the decade of declaration. So number one, he was alerting me that we really need to be paying attention to the words that we're speaking and the words that we are giving 
space to in our thoughts. The other thing that I got from that was when he began to speak regarding a declaration rather than a year or the upcoming year, here's what I'm seeing. What I was getting from that was that God is saying, I want you to be aware of the big picture. I'm wanting you to be aware that each moment that you walk through is but a moment and it is very, very minute in the light of eternity, but each moment is directly connected to a larger picture that is going to be playing out, but that moment will produce something into the future. And so when we're talking about the big picture and things are not isolated, how many of you know that if you like the picture that I was getting was when you throw a rock into a pond, how that rock will create uh, waves that go out. So that's what each moment is like, is that it's not isolated, but it's connected to a bigger picture of what God is doing. So 5780, we moved into this time of remembering and being aware, intentionally aware that it's not about the isolated moments. It's about the bigger picture and allowing that moment to play out into what God wants to connect into the bigger picture. Much like the seed, God has been speaking a lot about the seed because the seed in and of itself does nothing. But the seed, when faith is placed in the seed, you put the seed in the ground. And the reason you put the seed into the ground is because you are hearing from the future and faith in the future of what is in the seed that you can't see right now, but trusting that that seed when put into the ground will produce a harvest later on. So that is faith. When we put the seed in the ground, we have faith of what that seed is speaking into the future, which is a harvest. So when we moved into this decade, God was saying, be aware of what you're putting into the ground because it will produce a future harvest and it's not isolated. So with that, let's go to John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read through a section of scripture here. And um, I really, really encourage you to bring your Bibles to church because there's something about the pages. You can always look it up on your phone, the YouVersion app on your phone. It's free. It's one of my favorites. I love it. However, there's nothing like getting into these pages. Where's my friend Carson? Carson knows that. There you go. Carson's got his Bible. He's got his highlighters. He's got everything. He is ready to go today. All right. So in John chapter 15, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to read out of the New King James translation, and we're going to read a a good little section here. So don't tune out because this is really important. So John chapter 15, verse one, it says, Jesus is speaking here and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That is that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine dresser, neither can you unless you abide in me. Basically what he's saying there is you can't do anything that is going to produce a productive heavenly future harvest unless you are plugged into him. You have to be plugged into him. Otherwise, everything that you do, you are 
doing out of your own resources and what you do out of your own resources has to be maintained out of your own resources. That's where burnout will come a lot. Not, not against, I'm not uh, speaking contrary to what Kelsey said this morning. I'm agreeing with what she said. Amen. So he goes on in verse five and he says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. I just read that, but it must be important. So we're just, okay, so now, <laughs> okay, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. See, we could just brush right over the top of that. But a couple of weeks ago, I proposed the wild and crazy thought in here. What if we actually believed what the word of God said? Whoa. Okay. Um, We'll go on. By this, my father's glorified. By what? By you asking what you desire and it being done for you. And how does that happen? Through abiding in him. So we go on. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples as the father loved me. I also have loved you and abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. What he's saying there is if you're abiding in him, you will do his word. If you abide in him, you're not going to have to try to do his word. You just will do it because you're abiding in him. The focus is abiding in him, not doing to abide in him, abide and you will. Amen? Amen. So he goes on and he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master's doing, but I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that the fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name that he may give you. What if we actually just agreed with what the word of God said? That would be pretty powerful, huh? So back up here in verses two and three, he tells us that every branch in him that bears fruit that he prunes. That's good news. So if you are going hot, blazing guns for God, you're going to get pruned. Woohoo! <laughs> right? <laughs> But then he goes on and he says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That word clean right there is actually the root word of the word that was used previously when he said you are pruned. So that word clean gives us the word pruned. So he actually is saying to us the same thing there. You are pruned, you are cleansed, you are relieved of any excess. And he says to us, you've already been pruned, you've already been cleaned, you've already been relieved of any excess, you've already been relieved of any weight that would pull you back or hold you down. How? By the word. 
The word is what prunes us. The word is what reveals to us as we press into the word of God, as we read our Bibles and as we learn, as we take it in, not just to say, hey, I read through the Bible every year from Genesis to Revelation. I had somebody say that to me one time is quite a um, very wealthy, influential individual. And he said, do you know how many times I've read the Bible? Kind of being a little kind of a toot. And I said, I sure don't. But what I can tell you is you need to read it again because you didn't get it. (laughs) I kind of have, I need to pray about that because if somebody's a toot to me, I kind of am a toot back. (laughs) Right? I kind of need to, okay, so anyway. When we read the Bible, it's not for the purpose of saying, hey, I read this, or I got to get, get my 15 minutes in. I got to get my three chapters in. When you read the Bible, it is a tool that God uses to rid us of any thought or train of thinking in our life that does not agree with what he says. So when we read the word, our thoughts are being pruned. Our thoughts are being revealed, any motive of our heart, any uh, lie that we're believing, God uses the word to prune that, to cut it out so that the fruit that God wants to build can grow in abundance. The word is what prunes us and that's how important it is for us to be in the word. We're made pure by what he says to us, you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What did God do? He declared the word to us. So the decade of declaration, declaration isn't just one way. Declaration is two ways. And when God said, this is the decade of declaration, it's not just being aware of what's coming out of our mouth, but he's also saying it is a crucial time for you to be inclining your ear and listening to what's coming out of his mouth. And what comes out of God's mouth will always, always, always agree and bear witness with what is written in this word. What is written in this word will help us tune our ear and become very clear in hearing the voice of God, hearing, sensing God, feeling the leading of God. So the declaration is two ways. God speaks his word to us so that we can speak the word back to him. God reveals the word to us so that we can declare the word back to him. That is what the decade of declaration is doing for us. Then he says to us, he goes on and he says that he calls us to a place of relationship. When he calls us to this place of relationship of abiding in him, as we abide in him and him in us, there is a natural pruning process that takes place because the more we abide in him, the more of his thought gets put into us. And the more that his thought gets put into us, the deeper we abide in him. It's a continual growth and it's a continual pattern that takes place so that any word that we are thinking that is not what he is thinking will be cut off so that our heart is meditating on his word so that the abundance that's coming out of our mouth will be in agreement with what God is saying. As opposed to 
if gas prices get any higher, I'm not going to be able to afford groceries. As opposed to, if this certain political party gets in control of this, we're all doomed. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. As opposed to any other crap that you want to spew out your mouth. I, I mean, I can think of a bunch, but we'll just not do them. What are we speaking? There is so much importance on that because God says to us that there's life and death in the power of our tongue. And if you are experiencing difficulty in an area, I would encourage you, check out what are you saying about it? You know, like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Women, women that come to me and talk to me, well, my husband, he just doesn't do this and he doesn't help me with that and he's lazy and he sits on the couch and all I can say is, man, you're getting what you're asking for. What are you speaking over him? What are you declaring over him? And it's not just with your mouth too. What are you thinking about him? And if your thoughts are running him down, you're getting exactly what you're asking for. It's so important, the words of our mouth, so vitally important. This new year that we've entered into, the year 5783, as I said before, um, in, the, in the Hebrew alphabet, there is a letter for the number 80, and that letter is pay, and it's the mouth, and it's the words of the mouth. Last year um, was 82, 5782, and that word, the um, number two is the letter bet, and it's the picture of a house. And when you read Hebrew, it reads from right to left. So the bet was shaped, it's shaped like this, and it's facing forward when you're reading Hebrew. That seems backwards, but it's actually forward. <laughs> so the house or the tent was facing forward, which means that it's open to forward motion. It's open to forward movement. When we entered into the year 5783, the number three or the letter three in the Hebrew alphabet is the gimel or the gimel. I'm not really sure how you pronounce it. Is there a Hebrew scholar in here? Gimel. Thank you. So the gimel. The gimel has a lot of pictures that go along with it. The one that God really put his finger on, it can be a picture of a camel. It could be a picture of um, a wealthy person chasing down a person who is has less provision to give them charity, to pour into them. But the one that God really put his finger on for me is that the gimel, the way that gim, gim, gimel, gimel, thank you, the way that it is shaped, it looks like a leg going into a foot. And so that gimel is moving forward out of the temporary house or the tent. So when we entered into 5783, we entered into the three, which is the gimel, which is the foot, which indicates to us forward movement. 
It means that we're moving away from the things of the past and that we're moving into the future that God has established for us. It is a picture of motion. It is a picture of transformation and of change. And this year is a year of spiritual journey. It is leaving what is familiar. It is leaving the bet, the tent, the temporary, and moving forward into the promises and the things that have been established for all of eternity for us by God. Here is the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 8. It says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. How many of you like doing stuff that you've never done before, but you don't really know if you're going to be any good at it? That's hard. It's hard to do that. However, If we are going to increase in our faith, if we are going to grow down and grow deep into God, it's going to require that we step into things that we don't know where we're going. How many of you, somebody pull up in front of your house and say, hey, come on, let's go. What's the next word? Where are we going? God's like, get in and I'll tell you. But much of our answer, much of the church's response is, tell me where we're going, how we're going to get there, how long it's going to take, do you have snacks, and then I'll go. (laughs) That's what we want, right? Abraham sets a precedence for us here when he speaks and he shows us that he went out not knowing where He was going, but why did he go to possess the promise that would then affect generation after generation after generation? How important is it for you to step out into your spiritual journey because your spiritual journey is going to affect generation after generation after generation? This moment is not isolated. It will affect an infinite number of people and your journey affects all of the people around you. Your journey affects all of those people that are around them. You are not isolated. Your spiritual journey has a much bigger effect than what you may be aware of. So we are leaving what is familiar to move toward the promise. So as I was listening and like taking this in, I'm like, all right, God, you're telling us to abide, but you're telling us to go on a journey. I don't understand how you do that. Because in my mind, abiding is sitting and being in one spot, but a journey is movement. Exactly what the Gimel shows us. And God said, I'm not asking you to go on a journey that departs from me. I'm asking for you to journey deeper into me. That I understand. God is desiring that in this time, and I feel that there is an urgency to it, not an urgency out of fear, but an urgency out of promise, that this is a time when we are to journey down, that we are to journey deep into God. So wherever we're at, all of us can go deeper. Every one of us can go farther.
Then he tells us that we're not journeying as servants, but we're taking a journey as friends. So for many of us this year, I would, I would say all of us, this year is going to be a year of transition from any area or thought process in our life where our relationship or our personal view of God is from a servant position and God is transitioning us through the spiritual journey into a revelation of friendship into the revelation of sons and daughters of being friends with Father God. Because he says this to us, he says that you're not servants, but you're friends. And here's the thing that I felt he was pointing out is that the ask of a servant is different than the ask of a friend. Because he tells us, ask what you desire and I'll do it for you. The ask of a servant is minute compared to the ask of a friend. The ask of a servant is based on obligation. The ask of a servant is coming under a position of control. And the ask of a servant often is out of fear. God is calling us deeper than the ask of a servant. And he's calling us to the ask of a friend that is based on connection. It's based on freedom. And it's based on love. God is growing us deep into the ask of a friend because he needs people in this decade who will declare big things. And if all we're asking is as a servant, our ask is very small. 5783, I heard this, is that it was a time, this is a year of convergence. Again, that's how I know that it's God because I don't even know what that word means. I kind of think I did, you know, but I had to go look it up. And the definition of convergence is when two things come together and become one, form a union, and form a new whole. And what I was seeing was that this is a year of convergence for those who are abiding and are deeply rooted in him to where your declaration and your experience become one. Your declaration and your experience will converge. The declaration of miracles, the declaration of healing, the declaration of peace, the declaration of prosperity, the declaration of healing, all of those declarations that we have been praying, the prayers that we've been praying, this is the year where we will begin to see our declaration and our experience converge into one and become whole. That the prayers that we pray, we will actually see the mountains move. We will actually experience that the prayers of the righteous avail much. And it is vitally important that we are praying big prayers that will require the movement and the hand of God and not the prayers that we can walk out daily on our own. Those are not prayers of faith. Those are simply talking to hear your own mouth move. It does nothing for the kingdom of heaven and it does nothing to bring heaven on earth. The prayers that God is calling us to pray now are the prayers for the impossible, the prayers that have never been experienced, the prayers that God is saying, I have a whole realm of heaven to pour out 
and I'm looking for someone who will be faithful to have the audacity to believe me for a year of convergence. When declaration and experience intersect, there can be no convergence without movement. If we are sitting still, if we are not taking steps, and those steps may be being bold in whatever it is that you're doing. Kelsey this morning, I thought, gave us a great demonstration of taking a step. She stepped out and did something. She told us in huddle this morning, you guys, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm really scared. I haven't done anything like this before. And all of us gathered to say, we support you. Whatever it is you feel like God's telling you to do it. We have to come into the place if we want to experience convergence where we are moving because God is moving. And if you are sitting still, what is still remains still. But an object or a person in motion is in perpetual motion. And that motion will increase and produce more motion, which will bring us into a place of divine collision for what God has for us in the coming year. But we have to be a people that are in motion. Psalm 37 and 23 says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. See, oftentimes we, okay, I'm going to speak me. I'm going to tell myself. I look way out ahead and I'm like, that's where we need to be. (laughs) However, God is saying, okay, but I need you to take the first step. And if you take a step and a step and a step, it's like, how does somebody, I heard, like, I think is it, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I don't know who wants to eat an elephant. I have never liked that saying, but the, you know, the truth is there. <laughs> it's one step at a time. So those big things, those big dreams, those big ideas, those big asks, God is saying the steps I'm going to order for you. And if you will take one step, If you'll take one step in starting this new business, if you'll take one step toward healing the brokenness of your past, if you'll take one step in forming new bonds and new relationships with people, I will then come up under the way I always picture it is as a foot is being set down. God says the steps of the righteous. So he comes right up under that step when you're stepping out and you're like, I don't even know what I'm stepping out on, but I feel like this is what God's saying to do. You step out. God comes right under it with solid. Then you take the next step. God comes right up under it, but it requires that you put your heel maybe going down on what seems like nothing. But when you are stepping into obedience with God, when you are walking the spiritual journey, he comes right up under it, right up under it. And I want to say this. I hear oftentimes in the church, people say, I missed God. I think I missed God. I think that we should take that out of our vocabulary because as long as you are aiming to please the Lord and your heart is to do what God wants you to do, you can't miss him. When my children were learning to walk And they would stand up and I would hold little Cheerios out in front of them and they would fall on their way to me. I didn't spank their bottom and put them in the crib and say, you're a useless child. You're never going to get it. (laughs) If I would.
wouldn't do that as a human parent, how much greater is the love and the mercy and the grace of a heavenly father who created you, who knew where you were going to stumble before you ever even did it. And he comes up under you and says, you didn't miss me, but we're going to try it again. It's not missing God. It's learning to do it again. It's getting sharper. And hey, what I've learned is if you do fall, if you stumble, if you don't hit the target right in the bullseye, you know what? There's another chance going to come around. You get to repeat it. And he's like, hey, you know what? Let's sharpen that up. Let's hone that in because we're going to go around and we're going to do it again. You're like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's what you do with kids when you're teaching them to walk, isn't it? It's not that they missed walking. It's that, hey, we need to practice that. And as Christians who are following after and seeking to please God with all their heart, my desire would be that we get rid of the term, I missed God. I gave them a word. I missed God. I didn't show up where God, I missed God. That needs to be taken out. You didn't miss God. You're on a spiritual journey learning who he is, learning who you are in him and who he is in you. And you can't mess up if you're in him and he's in you. We don't miss God. We just get more gooder and gooder at what he's doing. Trust the vine dresser to cut away what needs to fall. There's a, Rhett, if you would, go ahead and come on up. There's a song that I've been particularly drawn to over and over and over. And it's a song off of a Bethel album. It's from Bethel Music, and the song is called Tend. And the chorus to the song says this. Be the gardener of my heart. Tend the soil of my soul. Break up the fallow ground. Cut back the overgrown. I won't shy away and I'll let the branches fall. So what you want can stay and what you love can grow. That is where I see us moving this, this year. What I, what I am seeing is that there are Kairos moments throughout the year. There's the chronos time, the measure of time, the the measure time, hours, months, and days. And there's the kairos time, which is an appointed time. It is where convergence happens, where God intersects our path. And there are kairos moments. And what I'm seeing is that there are very specific kairos moments set up for us all along the way this year that is leading to the next year, which will be number four, which by the way, is a gate or a door. And over and over, gates and doors have been coming up. Anybody else? Gates and doors. Okay, so what's God doing? God never puts you in a situation where you're not fully equipped to walk into what he's asking you to walk into. So what God's doing is he's teaching us this year how to walk through those little gates, which actually are really big gates, 
because these little gates are leading us to the fourth year, which is a gate or door, but you leave one area to transition into another. That's what a gate is. It's leaving this area to transition into another area. You're leaving this thought process to transition into the truth. You're leaving what is unhealthy to transition into the promise of fullness of life. You're leaving this and you have to make a personal choice. It is a choice. You choose to go through a gate. Most of us. <laughs> it's a choice to leave this to enter into this. That's the gates. And God is using this year as a convergence year to set us up for what he's bringing. And those who know him and know his times will be ready for what he's bringing and be ready to fully embrace and be fully equipped to walk into what he's calling us to walk into because we have been listening and pressing into his voice. So I felt particularly impressed. Two, two things this morning. Two things to move forward into what God is leading us into of being on a spiritual journey, growing deeper into him. The spirit of the world is cultivating two things right now really strongly. And those two things are fear and unforgiveness. Those are the two things that the enemy is coming at hard on every front. So this morning, I felt like God wanted us to take some time to address those two things, to prune those off, to allow the vine dresser to prune those things off, to cut off anything that is hindering the production of heavenly fruit in our life. And some of us may be carrying this stuff and we haven't, we're not even aware of it. But here, the fear, you cannot abide in the Father's lap and be controlled by a spirit of fear because perfect love casts out all fear. Now, personal experience, if you're focusing on trying to get rid of the fear, you're setting your focus on what the enemy is doing rather than setting your focus on what God is doing. So I speak to you this morning and I say, if fear is a battle for you, stop focusing on the fear and what fear is saying and telling yourself, I don't want to fear. I don't want to have fear. I know what that's like. But if you switch your focus and say, God, show me, teach me and grow me deep in how much you love me. When you begin to grow deep in the father's love, all fear will be gone. You might find little things. The enemy tries to crop this up, crop that up. That's one more area where I get to learn how deep my father's love is for me because his love casts out all fear. So I want you to settle in where you're at right now. And if fear is a battle for you, I'm going to ask if every person that is here that is on our prayer team would please come to the front and just space yourself out all across the front, whether you were scheduled today or not. (laughs) If everybody from our prayer team, these people are so powerful and they're so full of love. 
that if fear is a battle for you, I want to invite you right now to prune that off and to step out into spiritual journey. So I'm going to ask the prayer. If you guys could spread out, spread out. That if you want someone to agree with you for that fear to be gone, step out. If you simply in yourself say, I am taking my own personal stand and I am not going to allow fear to dictate my direction of sight anymore. And you just want to come to the front and kneel totally on your own. You don't want anybody to lay hands on you. This is just between you and God. Then do that. But I am having our prayer warriors who are people that are good at loving. That's what our prayer warriors are. They are good at loving. And you want somebody to agree with you. Come right now. Just get up out of your seat. There's going to be one person that comes, and I'm going to break it open for everyone. There you go. That's one. If a person goes and kneels, I'm asking to just leave them be. If you want to stretch your hand toward them and pray for them, you can do that. But I feel like there's some people that just need to have that personal time with God. If you want someone to pray with you, come to a prayer warrior. Thank you, Lord. And prayer warriors, you're just breaking it off. You're just breaking off a lie and you're filling them with the truth. You are the conduit of Holy Spirit right now. That is one thing that our culture is really, really uh, cultivating right now is fear. The other one is unforgiveness. Right now, I know that it's probably, I I say right now because I'm alive right now. I wasn't alive a hundred years ago, so I don't know what it was like then. (laughs) But I will say that right now, the enemy, his tactic is divide and conquer. And there is such a spirit of division being driven right now that people are picking up offense and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness unlike anything I've ever seen. People who have never had an issue of not being easily offended, all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, that person took my parking space and I just want to get out and sock them right in the face. It's because that spirit of division and anger is right under the surface and it's looking for something just to pop up, just to pop up, just to pop up. And it's provoking and there's some of you who have a very, very strong drive against a spirit of injustice. And that is godly. You do not, you are a person who cannot stand by and watch injustice happen. That is a godly thing. However, the enemy would love to take your passion to fight against injustice and turn it into unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and rage that is signing up for the wrong army you are no longer a part of the army of righteousness you are now a part of the army of the accuser of the brethren and you are fighting on the wrong side and it flips so fast it can flip so easily and so quickly and one way that you can know you can be offended at an entire people group. You can be offended at a person. You can be offended at an event, something that happened. 
You could be offended at someone who hurt you personally. And you could be offended at injustice. But when your offense turns into partnering with the accuser of the brethren and discounting someone else from being worthy of the love of God, that's when it crosses a line. So as people are praying to rid themselves of fear, the Holy Spirit ridding of fear, here's my second call. Is if you are battling with unforgiveness, with bitterness, if you are holding on to something that happened to you from the past, something that someone said to you, I want, I'm inviting you. And I so strongly encourage you to make a move. Something, because if you could have gotten rid of it on your own, by now you would have. And here's the thing that I hear sometimes. Well, I'm working it out. I'm, I'm working it out. No, unforgiveness is not something you work out. It's something you decide to do out of obedience to God and you do it in that moment. Then the healing begins to come. But the healing cannot come until you choose to forgive. The rage will not leave until you choose to forgive. And here's the scripture in Matthew 6, verse 14. In the Passion Translation, it says, And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. So here's a a little gauge. If you battle shame and guilt, the forgiveness of the Father is right there. But if there's any little little growth of unforgiveness there, you're not able to experience the fullness and the freedom of the unforgiveness from the Father because you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody else. And when we're holding unforgiveness, what it does is it shuts the door on God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy flowing into our life. So if you want to bust that door of forgiveness wide open, I invite you, I urge you to come. If you need a prayer partner to pray for you, come to a prayer partner. If you just say this morning, I am busting the door open on forgiveness in my life. Maybe you're a person who is a right fighter and you believe in justice and injustice absolutely sends you. And this morning you need to get on the right side of the battle. Come, just come to the front. It does something when you break the barrier here, it breaks the barrier there. Thank you, Father. If you're sitting in your seat, maybe you're there and God is speaking to you where you're at right now. You don't have to come to the front. Where you're at right now, God ministers to you just as much where you're at right now as he does up front. But if there's any part of you, what I don't want is for anyone to get out to the parking lot and to get into their car and say, I wish I would have gone up front because I still feel it. Allow God right now to begin to pour out to you, Holy Spirit, any area in our lives where we have accepted a lie regarding fear and regarding unforgiveness, we recognize that lie right now in the name of Jesus. And wherever you are in the auditorium, just simply say this, I disagree with that lie. I don't agree with the lie anymore. Father, I take hold of your truth. 
I take hold of your truth that says that perfect love casts out all fear. And I take hold of your truth that says that I am forgiven in abundance. So I choose to forgive abundantly. Take a deep breath in. And everybody just let God, just let God settle on you here for a minute. Just let him speak to you for a minute. And I declare to you in Jesus' name that you're being prepared all along your journey. And I declare that you will be right on time where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there for Kairos moments, divine appointments with God. I declare to you that along your journey, what has brought you to this moment, that God wastes nothing. And he says he takes all things and turns them to the good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. And I speak to you, you are the called. You are the called. You are the called. It's not good yet. God's not done yet. Stay the journey. Stay the journey. Stay the course. Don't quit. Father, we thank you for everyone receiving this morning. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that fills us to overflowing. And if anyone is not made certain that they are in relationship with you, Father, through your son, Jesus. Jesus simply stands in front of you today and says, will you come and follow me? And just as Abraham went where he didn't know where he was going, when you say yes to Jesus, you enter into a journey that is nothing but the best for you. Nothing but the best. So if this morning, if you need to say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, do that right now where you're sitting. Say yes to Jesus. You may not know where you're going and you may not know how you're getting there and you may not know if he has snacks, but just say yes to Jesus. (laughs) Um, I do feel impressed of this. For the people that you know that you broke something off this morning in the area of fear and in the area of uh, unforgiveness or bitterness of any kind, there is communion up here. And I'm gonna ask our prayer partners that are not praying with anyone, could you prepare several cups for communion? I want to invite you, if you broke something off, wherever you're at, come and take communion. There's something about sealing that with the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. It's so important. You can get it and just spread out here. We're going to keep this open. As Kelsey closes, we want to keep this open for ministry here. Take communion today. Take communion today. Tonight at sundown, we enter into an appointed time called the Feast of Tabernacles. And Darren is going to share more with you on that next week. Uh, Next Sunday, this week, we're going to be celebrating. There are books. We have some really great resources in the bookstore. And this one is a new one that I just got turned on to. Who is somebody in here that is really interested in learning about the feast and the appointed times of God and you're just starting that journey? Right there. Carson, come here, buddy. I 
want to give this. We have several different books in the bookstore. That's for you, bud. Take it and be blessed. Um, next week, Darren is going to talk to us about that. If you've never heard about that before, and if you have, I always get new stuff, new revelation. And people ask, well, when do you celebrate the birth of Christ? Uh, well, we're going to do that next Sunday. So we're actually going to do some stuff that's going to be fun that we've never done before as a church together. So come at 8 o'clock. Our hospitality area is going to be open. We're going to have some special things going on there. Uh, It's a really good time to enjoy fellowship and come and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, It's going to be a really good service. 